next door. Is there a terrorist living next door to you? Hmm, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Well, I know what you're thinking. There's no terrorist living next door to you, right? Well, <laughs> think again. That's what the people thought who were living next door to the latest terrorist, domestic terrorist, who was uh, arrested a week ago and who just pled not guilty to the charges he's accused of today. So let's look at this terrorist. Well, he's, I guess he's a suspected terrorist at this point. And this will um, take you into the mind of homegrown terrorists, also called domestic terrorists. We're going to examine his mind, examine his story, and see just what went wrong. The terrorist I'm talking about, or again, I'm not gonna, you know what I mean, the suspected terrorist. Robert Lorenzo Hester Jr. Hmm, how did he get to be where he is today? Well, first of all, let me tell you a little bit about what he is uh, accused of doing. He um, is arrested on providing material support to foreign terrorist organizations. He actually got involved in a plot to bomb Kansas City, Missouri on President's Day this past President's Day. He was arrested on the Friday before the Monday of President's Day. So he was all into this plot right up to the day, right, right when they arrested him. Uh, he was still planning on going along with these men who he thought were ISIS, jihadists, his friends. <laughs> but they weren't. Indeed, they were FBI agents who had gone undercover on the Internet. So, Robert Lorenzo Hester, Hester Jr. is 25, he's married, he has two children, he has a wife, and his wife is pregnant, and he's from Columbia, Missouri. Um, let's, what happened was, uh, well, first of all, what the story tells you is that terrorists can look like you and me. He, he, he does look a little strange, but really, basically, he is not what the um, stereotypical terrorist might look like. And in fact, um, his neighbors, all of his neighbors who have been interviewed by the media, have come out in support of him. They, um, I mean, I'm going to tell you what he did and how he got caught and what, how he was, uh, who he was up to the point that he got involved with the FBI agents. But let me just tell you this, this idea that, um, you know, <laughs> who you might be thinking of as a terrorist, you might be surprised. It might be one of your neighbors. And not, I don't mean necessarily just uh, literally a neighbor, but by neighbor I mean someone who perhaps is in the PTA of your child's school or works with you, or is the um, clerk at a store that you go to. Could be anybody. So we have, um, we have these neighbors saying, speaking up for him and saying that they would want to 
um, be his character witness in his trial. So we have a, a neighbor named Robert Shatlin, and he said, not possible that uh, Hester would want to kill Americans in the name of the Islamic State terrorist group. Robert's not that type of person. He's a loving father, loving husband, good son, decent neighbor. Uh, then we have another, he said that he's lived next door to Hester for four years uh, on Hanover Boulevard in Northeast Columbia, and that Hester lived a quiet life with his wife, two children, father and brother in the house next door. He never saw, the neighbor never saw any indication of a murderous person. He said, Hester is not a violent person. Meanwhile, when you hear what Hester was planning with the FBI agents, you will think again. Um, then, let's see. He, another neighbor said, I never saw anything weird or suspicious about them. They're pretty quiet. Uh, if Robert's attorney called me and wanted me to be a character witness, I would. All of these people, they, they interviewed a number of people uh, in his neighborhood, and they were all saying the same thing about what a quiet man he was, how he would never kill anybody, and what a good father. He, they talked about him playing with his kids in the yard in front of his house and what a good father he was. Well, Hester had a dark side. <laughs> and apparently, he was able to hide from his neighbors and other people who knew him. So, um, what happened was, in August, actually, this past August, uh, he, uh, Robert Lorenzo Hester Jr., was on, so, well, he had been on social media, and in August, I mean, it's not clear how long he had been on social media, but quite a while, apparently, because he had built up a footprint of a trail of his um, postings where he talked about being a sympathizer of ISIS, even having converted to Islam. He talked about how the United States government treats um, Muslims badly, how the United States, the, he called the United States government a terrorist, that that's, we are the true terrorists, the government of the United States, and so on. And so apparently some people who saw his posts contacted the FBI, and they started uh, trying to go on some of the same sites as Robert did. And um, at one point, of course, the, the FBI was going undercover. So at one point, Robert for asked the, one of the FBI agents to be his friend, wanted to friend him. And of course, the FBI agent jumped at the chance and befriended him. And they started a communication on social media. And, uh, and, and also, in Robert's uh, social media posts, he had lots of clues besides the words that he said. He had pictures of weapons. He had the black flag of ISIS. He used aliases on social media that um, are, you know, that he took from some of the um, terrorists of today. You know, some of the typical names that terrorists would have, or leaders of terrorists. Uh, and he, and so, you know, that he had been he had been making quite a footprint, and so. The FBI agent befriended him, 
And um, after they communicated for a while on social media, the, the agent asked him if he would like to meet some of the brothers. So, of course, uh, Robert was thrilled, and they set up in-person meetings. Now, um, during these meetings, the uh, FBI agents asked him, if he, they told him, you know, got him involved in, in uh, making a plot, and the plot was to bomb Kansas City, Missouri on President's Day. And they asked him if he, they asked him if he would help to buy some of the things that they needed for some of these bombs. And so they asked him to get 9-volt batteries, duct tape, copper wire, and roofing nails, which he did go and get. And the FBI agents were, you know, really kind of making this exciting and, and uh, talked about how their, what they're planning for Kansas City is going to be 10 times bigger than the Boston Marathon bombing. Now, you know, I know what, I know what you're thinking, and I know what uh, Robert Lorenzo Hester Jr.'s uh, attorney is going to be thinking, his public defender. They're going to try to use the defense, I believe, um, of entrapment, that these FBI agents were, um, you know, had, had entrapped him into the whole plot and convinced him to buy these things, you know, because that would be a way to say that he actually provided material support to a foreign terrorist organization, you know, literally. Of course, there are different, different reports on this as to whether um, there's some, there are some reports that say that actually Robert didn't have the money and he told them that when he got his uh, tax refund back that he would use some of that money to buy these batteries and duct tape and so on. But, and so there's a, you know, there are some reports that the, one of the FBI agents gave him the money or loaned him the money to buy them now. You know, they didn't want to wait till after he got his, uh, his questionable tax return refund. So now in the meantime, this was in September that he asked the uh, FBI agent to befriend him. And in October, for a completely different reason, you know, not related to terrorism, uh, he got, Robert got arrested because he had a fight with his wife outside of a store. And in his anger, he threw a pocket knife through the store window. And then when he was confronted by the people in the store, he reached for something in, in a diaper bag that he was carrying. And in fact, when the police came, they found that he did have a gun inside the diaper bag. So, I mean, this is, you know, these people who say he's not a violent guy, <laughs> he's a good daddy. Sure, all good daddies put guns in their kid's diaper bag, right? Uh, so, he was in jail. He was put in jail for this event. And he was then released on bond with a monitoring device and on the condition that he not carry a weapon. Now look at these things. You know, first of all, a monitoring device. It, it hasn't been reported whether he, I mean, presumably he was still wearing the monitoring device when he met several times with these undercover FBI agents. Now, again, he thought that he was meeting with ISIS jihadists. So, I mean, like it didn't occur to him that maybe that would be 
not very cool to be wearing a monitoring device, in other words, where the police or other authorities could track him, and in fact, he's meeting with jihadists, or so he thought. That didn't seem to cross his mind, or he didn't care, or... He see he actually there there are a number of things um, that seem to indicate that his psychological state was not very um, stable and he did lack judgment and this is one of the examples of this. Also, he wasn't supposed to use a weapon, have an unlawful use of weapon. This was part of um, part of the conditions for why he was released on bond for the for this episode at the store. So. Okay, he's not going to carry a weapon, but he's providing materials um, to so-called ISIS jihadists so that they could bomb uh, Kansas City, Missouri, and make it 10 times more uh, disastrous, more destructive than the Boston Marathon. You don't need to carry a gun if you're going to do that. Um, so in January, this past January, he, was, uh, he pled guilty to property damage and unlawful use of a weapon. So he's gonna be sentenced for that, well he was to be sentenced for that in March. And um, so then he continued, after he got out of jail, he continued his social media conversations with these uh, FBI undercover agents. And he was saying things like, it's going to be a good day for Muslims worldwide, and then when they were, as they were planning, making, continuing to make plans for the attack, he said, it's good to help strike back at the true terrorist, meaning America. And he talked about one in global jihad. I mean, these weren't just uh, random sentences and here and there on social media or in, in real life to the FBI agents. I mean, he was really serious, and in fact, um, they actually gave him a chance to back out on at least one occasion. You know, they, they said, are you sure you want to do this, or words to that effect? And he, he kept telling them that he was all in, that um, yet he was getting more and more excited as it was getting closer to President's Day. He talked about wanting to overthrow the United States government, wanting to make a difference and change the world with global jihad. Now, see, that, that line is so important, and that is so typical of people who become homegrown terrorists um, and people who have given up on making a difference in the world in a positive way. Feeling These are people, in fact, who are feeling cheated out of the American dream and wanting attention and wanting... To, to have some kind of conquest, to have done something, to, to pe have people um, look up to them in some way, even if it's an, a notorious way for having done something horrible. So let's look at, let's go back a little further and look at Robert Lorenzo Hester Jr.'s life before he got involved with the FBI. And um, what we find is he must have had, now there's not anything that I've been able to find in the media yet about his family of origin, but clearly it was a dysfunctional family of origin because that, that caused him to have um, a disrespect of authority. 
uh, anger towards authority because he entered the army in 2012 and he went through boot camp and then after boot camp he got involved in violating the regulations of the army he didn't want to respect authority respect the regulations that the army uh, had and so in 2013 when he was in the army for less than a year he was uh, given a dishonorable um, no he was given a general discharge not an honorable discharge but a general discharge which means it wasn't dishonorable he didn't do uh, <laughs> the things that he did wrong weren't bad enough to get a dishonorable discharge but he got a general one instead of an honorable one so clearly you know there was misbehavior and oftentimes also that indicates some kind of psychological problem where uh, rather than give the person the stigma of having a dishonorable discharge they give him a general discharge which you know tells employ future employers and all that that all was not right in the world with him in the army but it is it still isn't quite as bad so um in fact at 25 this could be he could be in the prodrome the beginnings of schizophrenia because that usually comes on in the uh, mid to late teens until the mid to well um, early to mid 20s so he's kind of ripe for this to be the beginning of a schizophrenia schizophrenic breakdown that um, may be causing him to have a lack of judgment and so on it's also been reported that he is a uh, a <laughs> that he enjoys having uh using marijuana and aside from uh, marijuana making people apathetic and there doesn't seem to be robert lorenzo hester jr does not seem to be on a career track shall we say um so too much use of pot and yes i know i know what you're thinking i know some of you out there are thinking there's nothing wrong with pot what are you what, why are you getting why are you saying that uh, pot can are you saying pot can make you into a terrorist what no i'm not saying that pot can make you turn into a terrorist but i am saying and i do know this that um pot can continued frequent use of pot can make you apathetic and can actually bring out underlying mental illness in fact um, the, you're genetically you you inherit pre, a predisposition to mental illnesses like schizophrenia or manic depressive illness, and um, traumas in your life then make it manifest. So when and also marijuana works on the brain to make you more vulnerable to these uh, genetic psychotic mental illnesses to manifest. So that could be part of it as well. Um, so lack of judgment, another example of lack of judgment, this is like unbelievable, uh, when he, to some of the meetings that he had with these FBI agents who he thought was ISIS, uh, he brought his kids, he brought his two little kids 
to meet with these agents, thinking, in his mind, again, thinking that they were ISIS jihadists, and he's bringing his little kids to meet them, and that was because, supposedly, he was on babysitting duty. Of course, now that we know he lived with his father and his brother, I mean, unless no one, you know, unless they were all working, except for him, um, and then there's also some reports that he did work. It's very vague as to whether or not he was employed or certainly no mention of what specific employment he had, if any. Um, then another example of something he wrote on social media. He wrote, need a break before I start breaking necks. Fed up. So all of these things point to a man who is vulnerable to ISIS propaganda on the internet. He is going nowhere. He got rejected by the United States Army, which makes him, which, you know, to him that says, uh, I'm rejected by America. I'm an American reject, okay? So he's angry about that. And he wants to get back at America. When really these things, you know, are, are his own, I mean, again, putting aside the possibility that he may be in the throes of an oncoming mental illness. Um, so what is the, well, what is the bottom line to this? We need to wake up to the fact that there could be lots of other people who we know, uh, or, you know, if not, as great friends, who we pass in the street, who we, um, who we might work with or who we might live next to, people whose life um, is not really going as well as, <laughs> as you would think. It makes me think of this uh, story this morning. I went to a gas station, and uh, I went in, and, and when I was at the cashier, they, uh, the it popped up on the, uh, there was a something, an, a, a questionnaire like on, on that you could take and you could say whether the service that you got was uh, bad or good or, you know, excellent, all these gradations. And I picked the one, not the top one, but the one next to the top. So very good. I think excellent was the top. And I said to the man, you know, um, you, I, I wrote here that you had very good service but I would have written excellent if you would have been smiling. And, you know, yes, that does sound a little obnoxious, but so the man turns to me and he was, he was very nice. And he said, um, well, I just took a Tums because I have indigestion. It's my, my stomach's been bothering me all day. And I thought to myself, look at that, you know, here I was kind of a little, a little obnoxious, um, telling him he needs to smile. And, and something is going on that I couldn't see. I didn't know that he had just taken a Tums. And that's, I mean, you know, maybe you think that's a silly example, but it's an example of how just looking at somebody, whether they're smiling or not smiling or whatever, you can't always tell what is going on inside of them, whether it's indigestion in their stomach or indigestion in their brain. You know, they're having... It's hard for them to digest life, to deal with life. And so we all need to be a little kinder to people uh, and to perhaps find out a little bit more about their lives and if there's something we could do to put them on the right path.
So let me, and we're coming now to the um, Ask the Terrorist Therapist part of the show. And um, again, remember to send me questions and comments from either my uh, Twitter um, page, which is at Dr. Carol MD, at D-R-C-A-R-O-L-E-M-D, or my Terrorist Therapist Facebook page, where you can send me a message. So today we have a, an email from Leslie in Cleveland, Ohio. Hi, Terrorist Therapist. I worry all the time about whether there's going to be a new terrorist attack this day. It's not just immigrants from terrorist countries. It could also be somebody I pass in the street. I can't help staring at people I pass and wondering, especially if they look unhappy, if they're going to take out a gun and shoot me. It's really stressful. Can you help? Now, be honest. I'm sure that um, we've all had that thought from time to time, maybe not every day, but certainly increasingly over the last few years. And um, it's kind of sad that we have to be that, we feel we have to be that wary of people and frightened of people and think about these kinds of things. Now, I wasn't thinking that the guy was a terrorist at the gas station <laughs> when I said he needed to smile. But, um, you know, hey, he could have been. He could have he been on his way and I could have been pushing him over the edge. It's not funny. Okay. <laughs> um, well, all right, Leslie, I hope I made you laugh anyway. Um, what we do need to, we can't, although yes, there are more terrorist attacks every day, every month, every year. You know, we've, I, I talked about that in my previous podcasts um, of comparing the uh, years, the 2016 to 2015 and the years before and so on, you know, yes, there certainly is an increasing number of terrorist attacks. And I'm sure in 2017, I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm sure that there will be more attacks even than in 2016. But, uh, and yes, we have to, you know, um, if you see something, say something and all of that. And that does mean people too. But, I mean, for example, in this case that I just talked about, Robert Lorenzo Hester Jr., if people hadn't been on the Internet noticing his posts with the black flag of ISIS and all these comments about how he hates America and all of that, if they hadn't alerted the FBI or the police or whoever they called, ultimately it got to the FBI, then he wouldn't have been caught. Now, his defense attorney is going to say, yes, but if people hadn't alerted him and the FBI hadn't uh, friended him, of course, he has to be the FBI agent's friend first, but still. And if they hadn't been meeting with him and asking him to buy all these uh, things to build a bomb, then he wouldn't have built a bomb. He would have stayed a quiet uh, guy next door. Well, you know, at some point, if you put the ISIS flag on social media and you put all this stuff about hating America and how you hope that the government is overthrown and so on, you know, chances are it's more likely that you're going to be meeting a fellow jihadist or a fellow wannabe domestic terrorist than an FBI agent. 
So I don't think it, Robert would have gone um, peacefully, <laughs> continued peacefully in his life without trying to do something. And it's a lot better that he was plotting this, or thought that he was plotting this attack with an FBI agent rather than someone who actually was, did want to carry it out and did contribute with him to making the bombs. And they talked about where to put backpacks and so on. They wanted to um, actually uh, put the backpacks in the train station in Kansas City, Missouri, and they wanted to bomb the train station, trains, and buses. So surely he would have found somebody else who wanted to do that or to do some other plan of attack. So, um, you know, those were people who saw something and said something. And yes, obviously that we all should be alert for those kinds of things. But, you know, rather than just be frightened by people who look like they're um, angry or disheartened or hopeless or feel cheated about not getting the American dream, it's really more important to try to um, give a helping hand to these people. You know, it's not, we have to wake up. We're in denial. We are in such denial. And I have been talking about this for years. Wake up, America. You know, Western Europe, I was talking about it when my first terrorism book came out in, West, in, in London. I talked about it in Europe as well. Uh, Europe has unfortunately uh, really had a wake-up call in, this, in these last couple of years. But America is still just um, quietly sipping their, their lattes and pretending uh, that, that, oh, we're safe. Nothing. It, it's okay. Yeah, maybe they're in Western Europe, that's, and that's really sad, and wow, that's going to make it hard for me to travel there, but no, they're not going to come. Well, here's a guy in the heartland of America. Came from, he came from Columbia, Missouri, and he was going to bomb Kansas City, Missouri. You know, these are not places where you, these are not high target high on the list of targets of terrorists, you would think, you, you know, you would think that they, this is not like the Twin Towers or other kinds of um, uh, things that are, make more obvious targets because, you know, like the Super Bowl or something like that. So we have to wake up America. It's not just France or Belgium or Germany or Turkey. It's American-born citizens who are turning into homegrown terrorists, becoming, uh, ingesting propaganda on the internet and in their neighborhood, and they're losing hope that they will ever get the American dream for themselves. They want to leave a mark, and if it's not going to be a positive achievement, if they've given up hope that they can, you know, discover the cure for cancer, for example, then they want to tear down a country who gave up on them, who they feel gave up on them or rejected them, like Robert Lorenzo Hester Jr. felt when the army rejected him. So he's in federal custody now. Um, he just pled not guilty today, actually. But there are many other people who are living lives of quiet desperation and who may not turn into terrorists, but then they turn to crime, or they turn to drugs and alcohol, or they turn to other self, 
um, harming kinds of things. They, they, they not only bring down themselves, but they bring down their family and lots of other people. So there's kind of a simple uh, moral to this story, which is your random act of kindness or acts of kindness could stop a terrorist. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. And I will be back uh, with another podcast next week.